Today's positive vibes attitude for this episode is brought to you by the iced coffee in my Starbucks cup. I'm not sponsored, by the way. I just love iced coffee a lot. And I just thought you should know where the energy is coming from. Shout out to iced coffee, all my coffee lovers. Let's dive into episode six. So that's really what you're here for. Hey, everyone. My name is Ashley Gibbs, and I'm your host of another episode of Not Your Average Cheerleader. That's right. Here we discuss everything NFL football related, from the players, to the game, to the injuries, to even the contracts. So sit back, listen in from a female perspective who secretly loves the game. And let's dive into this conversation and get started. We're back with episode six, everybody. Man, oh man, when I started this, I'm not going to lie to you, I did not think I would get to six episodes, but... I truly, really love talking about football, so that's how we got here. And apparently some of you guys like listening to it. Oh, who knew? I guess I'll keep going then, huh? We have some NFL highlights, you guys. Let's dive right in before we get into the special topic, which today is about pass interference rule is officially dead? What? What does that mean? Ashley, what does that mean? I don't know. I'm just kidding. I do know something. I don't know a lot. I know a little about a little, but I don't know a lot about a lot. Everybody knows that line from Bad Boys. But yeah, let's go ahead and get into NFL highlights first. So, you know, there have been some reports. I was recently watching, you know, a few YouTube videos, some of my favorite shows like Undisputed and everything, and some of the sports kind of blogs and, um, you know, news outlets were talking about how Tom Brady's living his best life in Tampa Bay. And I was just like, okay. Like, at the end of the day, why are you guys bothered by the fact that he wants a decked out Escalade? Like, they had a picture of it. I'm not sure that was the real thing. Again, I saw this, I think, on Twitter. And I was just like, if he, that man works hard for all his money. If he wants to go buy a decked out Escalade um, and live his best life after probably, you know, a different kind of set of rules that he was working under before, let him do that. Like, at the end of the day, leave him alone. Geez, I don't even know why it was such a big deal. I really don't. Like, I guess they're not used to Tom Brady having a personality. And, you know, I was watching this video where they were talking about why, you know, some of the other past quarterbacks and other past Super Bowl winners from when the game first started really don't show him as much respect as, you know, he probably deserves. And they're looking at it like, we don't really, I don't know if they don't like Tom Brady. Um, I know... One caster said at the end of the day that he didn't like Tom Brady, that he shouldn't have won that many Super Bowls. And I was just like, I think it was Terry Bradshaw that said that. And I was actually kind of blown in shock. But I look at it from the perspective of like, if you look at their personalities and look at Tom Brady's personality, the, and also too the time framing, the time frame from when they were at their peak in their NFL prime versus where we are now in today's society is completely different. Like Twitter didn't really exist like that back then. Neither did Instagram, neither did, you know, TikTok, all these other wonderful social media outlets that can be used to give people a voice, um, hopefully for the positive and not the negative. Then, like, yeah, definitely. I don't, I get that his personality is going to be different, but it's one that, you know, if he wants to be the goofy, you know, person that he is, let him. Who cares? Let the man live is what I say. Let TB live. I like it. I'm not going to say he's funny. Well, we're, He's kind of funny. Is he funny? I mean, I, I laugh for like three seconds. The point is, the point is, is let the man live. 
And then I read this other article not too long ago, popped up on my Facebook feed. And I know people are like, oh my gosh, she read a sports article from Facebook. It probably wasn't true. No, no, no. I clicked the link and went to the outlet. It was ESPN that reported that. Facebook shared something that I actually was like, oh snap. It was a clicker. And it said, Jimmy G, y'all. Jimmy G had the highest accuracy passing rate last season. I'll wait. Okay, that was long enough. I was like, above whom? And it was like Patrick Mahomes, um, some other court QB. I'm not going to lie. I didn't recognize that name. Uh, sorry. He's part of a team. I honestly I think it was a Tennessee Titans. It was a team that we don't normally talk about. And, of course, Drew Brees. And I thought to myself, <laughs> he has the highest passing accuracy rate for deep passes. They were very specific for deep passes over Patrick Mahomes. But Patrick Mahomes beat you in the Super Bowl. Make that make sense. Yeah, it doesn't. I just feel because everybody was throwing picks as far as I'm concerned in the Super Bowl. So I'm confused. But yeah, they said he had the highest passing rate last season. I think it was like almost like 61% something. It was like around the low 60s percent. And I think Patrick Holmes was like 7% behind him. It wasn't that far. And I was actually kind of blown in shock at this article because I was just like, and I was, I was more so shocked. Let me say this. I was shocked because, again, you had the highest passing accuracy rate which means your arm is not bad, Jimmy G. I want to say for the record, I, again, 49ers fan, I'm going to say every episode just till it's like engraved in your brains and y'all start putting in the comments, we know, Ashley, you're a 49ers fan. We get it. Cool. I just want to premise it by saying this. I don't doubt Jimmy G's, Jimmy G, Jimmy G's ability to be a great quarterback. I don't doubt his skill. Look where he trained at. Everybody can't play for the Patriots. I respect that hire. I expect a great performance from him each season. I think there's just some things we're waiting for him to do that we haven't seen yet. But you have to remember too, when he just got in there, he tore his ACL. He was out a whole season. We went from the backup to the backup to the backup. And then he came back and even his knee really still wasn't like his ACL still wasn't up to full capacity. It probably won't ever be. So it's just interesting. And we'll get into what those injuries look like, but you have to remember coming back from an injury, that's tough. So you know, for him to have beat Patrick Mahomes in a passing rate makes me really want to review that Super Bowl game now and kind of give a different analysis because I really want to understand what happened. If you, quote unquote, last season had a better accuracy passing with your arm than the quarterback for Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes, who won the Super Bowl, I guess we have to look at the whole game because, right, it's a team effort. I know somebody out there is going to say, but Ashley, it's a team effort. You know, the Kansas City really won because of this, that, and the third. Or, you know, they're just a better team than the 49. Whatever argument you want to create that helps you sleep at night, whatever. I still look at it as, you know, both quarterbacks, you know, it's not like their passing rate was in like the 80s. I'm just saying, I'm trying to figure it out. It, it Can you tell I'm confused? I'm so confused about him having a higher passing rate than Patrick Mahomes that I'm confused. Does that make sense? Okay. <laughs> so somebody out there, make that make sense for me, please. Because I had to reread that article three times. And everybody knows I, I'm a reader because I'm a student. 
And I love saving articles, but when I read article three times, that means something I was like blown. I was like, wait, what? So yeah, that's what I saw. Patrick Mahomes won the fire behind him. Drew Brees always is going to make that list. Again, I can't wait to see that face-off between him and Tom Brady. It's going to be this season. I'm just praying this season, y'all. This season. All right. So now that we talked about a few NFL highlights that y'all are probably like, why are those things even important? Well, the passing one was important. The one about Tom Brady and his Escalade, that really wasn't important. But I just thought I would mention it because I thought it was absolutely hilarious. They were kind of getting on him about that. And again, these are where I saw these outlets. I'm sure if you scroll on Twitter and you follow sports or Facebook, you'll probably see certain things too. Comment below on, on my page as far as it goes, like in the comments on like Apple Podcasts, things like that, or if you want to leave me a comment on my website, you find something that's interesting, you want me to kind of dig deep into it, I will. But let's go ahead and get into pass interference rule for all my football lovers out there. Pass interference. I'll say this, when I first started watching football, I didn't know what the hell pass interference was. I was just like, how do you know? I don't even know what that is. Wait, what? Why are they calling that? What does that mean? And then I really started watching a lot of like replays. I started really getting into the game, started loving it because I love the physicality of it, the athlete's mindset, the comp, the competitive, the, the competitiveness of the game. Wow. This coffee's not as effective as I said it was at the beginning of this show, <laughs> but the competitiveness of the game. And that is when I started to really learn the rules. Now, when I look at the camera and they play, I was like, oh, Lord, that's pass interference six ways from Sunday. You just thought you were just going to put your hand all up in that person's personal space. And that's OK. And thought he wasn't going to call it. And I love when you watch the players, when you see pass interference and the players like fussing at the ref, like I didn't do pass interference. That wasn't me. No, man, man, that was a bogus call. Or even worse, when there was pass interference and it doesn't get called. Don't y'all love those moments? Those are her, the reaction of the players to control themselves. Just it never happens because I would lose it too. I would like just kind of like grip my fist and just walk to the sideline. Let me get back in my position before I say something ignorant. Well, as you already know, the NFL has tried to do more with pass interference. They tried to make it a system or come up with some sort of rule based policy that helps with calling pass interference. That was the goal. We want to be able to make these calls because apparently we're missing them. I guess that's what the thought was when I was reading these articles. ESPN reported this, by the way, on ESPN.com. And they were talking about how going into 2020, there won't be any official rule on pass interference. I was like, wait, so let me get this straight. There was a rule. And now, because the rule's not really working, quote unquote, if you can see me right now, we're going to remove the rule and we're not going to put anything else there. <laughs> and they said because the rule wasn't effective. So let's take a look at how the video is. Okay. So they said, as of last year, Touchdown, um, Touchdown Right, it's a website, sports website, wrote that there was seven successful challenges of pass interference out of the 40 attempts that was called in 2019. Seven successful. You know how low of a percentage that is? Oh, my gosh. That means out of the ones that were attempted that we wanted to challenge, seven were successful. Seven were called back and said, yes, that was pass interference. 
I would love to know what it was before the rule was even created. That would have took a little bit deeper research. I might still go dig and just bring that up as a highlight in another episode because this now gets interesting that out of 40 attempts, seven were basically challenged and successfully overturned and called as pass interference. So now the NFL's like, wait, this rule's not really working. The challenges, the refs, we're still missing it. So here's what we're going to do, you guys. This is this is what they report that the NFL's looking to do. For missed pass interference calls, we're going to send it up to the sky judge. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> when I saw that, I said, I don't get it. Make this make sense, please. What's the difference between reviewing footage then? You're going to trust a person all the way up in the top in a skybox to review something? You might as well just use the camera. That's what cameras are for. How many cameras are in a game? Anybody know? I need to, hold on. Y'all know how I am with my phone. Because Google is like a serious tool. And I'm still going to talk to you while I'm Googling this. Like, but how is a human person going to beat a camera? That doesn't like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, at all. You're going to send it to a sky judge and hope and pray that they're going to get it. Mm-mm. No, that's a terrible idea. Like, okay, so here's the thing. So I just Googled this. I said, how many cameras are recording an NFL game? Okay, this versus a sky judge. Each game is a major production with broadcasters deploying. Um, it says here, do 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 NFL.com, 12 to 20 cameras with 150 to 200 employees for a regular season. 12 to 20 cameras, you guys, from every angle that we were relying on before, to some extent, to review challenges of what we believe was past interference on the field. Now they're saying we're going to remove that rule. We're going to send it straight up to the sky judge, one single person. (laughs) Somebody make that make sense for me, please. Because that doesn't make any sense. Basically, it's just pass interference has always been a huge debate in the NFL. Of course, as we already know, like many players, the games were lost because of that. I mean, if you go look at some controversial calls, I just go back to some of the playoff games where a lot of it came down to was that a catch? Was that pass interference? It was called pass interference, which means that now we got to take it back and do it over again. We don't do it as successfully the second time around. I mean, just I'm looking at just the Patriots luck every, um, you know, Super Bowl game right when they started to have those clutch moments. And this is only because I was just watching some of the videos and the highlights not too long ago. And like there's always some weird random catch or call that is like, you know, the commentator was like, it's like a curse for them. This happens every game. It happened in the Falcons. It happened with the Seahawks. It happened, um, I think, who did they, uh, the Eagles, who they lost against in the Super Bowl. And it was because of a call on that. So when you think about how pass interference really plays a key factor and sometimes the determinant of who's going to win the game, the NFL does need to get behind some sort of solution. I don't know why you would toss out something that at least had seven out of 40 based off of probably what relying on some cameras and maybe the coaches challenging something. I, I I don't know. I just think about it this way is I don't believe in tossing something completely out if you're not going to replace it with something else. That's my bottom line. That's my feelings on it. Have I cursed and yelled at the TV when I believe it was past interference and it wasn't called? Absolutely. I got mad a few times. 
And I think there was one point in the Super Bowl game with the 49ers versus Kansas City where pass interference wasn't called. And as a viewer, I saw it clear as day. Hey, do you know how I saw it? On one of those 12 to 20 cameras y'all have recording the whole game. Yeah, that's how I caught it. And I was in my living room. So at the end of the day, if we as fans can catch it because of some cameras, they need to do something better with the system. I trust, I know, the refs cannot see anything. I think it's unrealistic to rely on refs to see everything. And it's tough because you have a whole game going on. I know we have a certain number of refs out there, but I think some system needs to be put back in place. You just don't toss out something that's there. If it's not working, then make it better. Just make it better. And I know with, you know, everything going on with COVID-19 and things like that, that right now that is the priority and that is the priority and it should be. But past interference, you're talking about what the quality of the actual game is going to be. Who's going to win and lose? You need to figure out a solution. You can't just toss out a pass interference rule. We're just going to go into this 2020 season with nothing. That's dangerous. That is so dangerous that I'm scared to watch these games and be like, that was definitely pass interference. We're just not going to call it. Okay, word. All right. I guess that's the way things are going to be. We're just not going to call nothing on the field anymore. But I digress. Well, that was my thoughts on pass interference. What do you guys think? Do you think them throwing out the pass interference rule is going to impact this upcoming season should the season go forward? By the way, I saw some preseason games on the calendar. You can go see the Detroit Lions play at the Patriots Stadium for $37, y'all. That's in August. Just want you to know I saw that pop up on my little app that I'm using to monitor my tickets. So... Um, I'm not gonna give that outlet out, but just know they're, they're up there. So I want to know you guys thoughts. Leave me a comment, send me a message. What do you think about past interference? What do you think is going to happen this 2020 season? If they don't put some sort of rule in place, if the NFL doesn't come up with something, what might happen? And then on top of that, let's close out with this cool, interesting, also NFL highlight that I found where on ESPN.com, they're talking about the Pittsburgh um, pro teams are given the green light to play. I think that 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 gives me hope, y'all. I really want the NFL season to happen. I do. I hope that they come up with some solution so that we as fans can still enjoy the game because we've lost the NBA, NHL. All of it was canceled. NBA, the NFL is all we have left. I still believe in, of course, protecting the players. I believe in protecting the fans. So I'm hoping. So the fact that some teams are getting green lights to practice, some teams are getting green lights to play, is at least some positive direction. I know some people may have feedback about that. I would love to hear from you. Please, please send me messages because I love this stuff. I want to be able to call people out and shout people out. So that's going to be the episode six for today. Tune back in because it's only going to get better. We're going to talk about in episode seven, what's going to happen if no fans are in the stands? And then episode eight, which is going to be one of my favorites because I talked about this a lot in law school in my sports law meetings, was bouncing back from injuries. We're going to go over what those injuries look like in a pro athletic world for the NFL and what do players have to go through to bounce back to get back into the season. So those are the next lineup for the episodes. Stay with me. Subscribe and follow. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to another episode of Not Your Average Cheerleader. Stay safe, social distance. Bye.